Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Please read with me Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And then Revelation 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God that speaks to us, that we can hear from your word. And as we go through these topics, uh, Lord, help us to to really want uh, uh, understand how they apply to us. Help us to understand that uh, this... Uh, understanding of you as our God, the divine one, the one who is uh, the, the, the uncreated creator, uh, the one who is self-sufficient, the one who is eternal. Help us to understand these things so that we can have a, a good, uh, the, the right approach to you as human beings, as people who come before your word to understand more about you and, and having the right tools to understand it as well. I pray for that, Lord, and I pray uh, you'll be with us this morning as we hear more about what it means to be time-bound as humans. I pray for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I came across a clip this last week uh, on social media. It was an interview between uh, the scientists uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you guys know who that is? Uh, him along with the late Stephen Hawking. All right, um, Steve, Stephen Hawking, right? That's his name. Yep. And they were talking about time travel. Now, I, I thought that was really interesting, so I watched it. Uh, these guys are, are atheists. They don't believe in God, but they've got big brains, and they're experts in science and physics and all that. Uh, and I didn't know people actually explore time travel. So they're talking about time travel, whether it's an actual thing. Scientists have theorized it. They, they spent time thinking about it. And, you know, all I know is stuff from the movies, from the TV shows, from the books, the science fiction stuff. Uh, but here they are. They're talking about the reality of it. Now, the simple answer is time travel is not possible. The answer is no, we can't time travel. If, if human beings could time travel, if we ever invent time travel, then today there should be time travelers amongst us. Does that blow your mind a bit? Like there could be another version of me wandering around this world. That trips me out. But it, as far as we know, time travel hasn't been existent in the future because we don't have people from the future here with us today. I thought that was pretty mind-blowing, but yeah, that's the answer. The answer is no. I mean, I think the idea is pretty cool, though, isn't it? To, to think about time travel so we could, you know, uh, we could go back to the past and change the past or we could go into the future and know what happens in the future. Uh, all the movies make it look really cool. You know, back to the Future, the, what, Time Travel's Wife, the Terminator, the, you know, these movies that are about time travel, they make us want it, uh, and, it's, and it's quite interesting. We think about it a lot, and so these scientists are talking about it, they're thinking about it. Now, now there's a technical reason they explained in the video. It's something to do with the law of thermodynamics, 
negative energy, negative mass. It doesn't exist in our universe. I've, I didn't get it by then. Yeah, I stopped listening. But it was this physicist stuff that, that they've actually looked into. It's interesting. It's interesting because I think as humans, we'd love to do it. We'd love to time travel. Last year, I asked our church about this, this very question. I don't know if you guys remember. I asked, would you rather go to the past and change something or go into the future and know something? And the majority of you said you'd rather go to the past and change something. And I asked some of you afterwards, and most of the guys said, oh, well, I'd go back and buy Bitcoin. You know, like, why wouldn't you? Oh, it's always about money, isn't it? But yeah, that's, that's the answer. Like, we, we always want to go back and change the past. But it's interesting. We're creatures bound by time. And we either think about the past a lot, the opportunities that we miss, the regrets that we have, or we think about the future a lot, about what we hope to achieve, the outcomes of our actions. And it's obvious, isn't it? Isn't this the way that our society operates? We can't create time machines. We can't time travel. But we live in this digital age with technology and machines. We create devices and appliances. And they help us to be more efficient. For what purpose? To save us time. To reclaim, so we can reclaim time, so we can harness and even try to control time, so we can experience more of life or whatever it might be. And we look around our houses and we can look and we can see there are so many machines that we've purchased to make our lives easier so we can have more time, right? From, from, from the planes that we fly to the cars that we drive, uh, from, from the everyday appliances to the to vacuum cleaners to dishwashers to microwaves to rice cookers to air fryers to the washing machine for our laundry, even my electric toothbrush, items designed to make our lives easier, to make our lives more efficient. It's interesting, isn't it? We have all these devices around us. Uh, we don't use pencil and paper. We use touchscreens and keyboards created so we can save time. And then there are our phones. We love our phones. We use them every day, multiple times a day to access information, entertainment, social media, find recipes, read the news, do our banking, shop, pay for groceries, get food delivered to your door within minutes. Next day delivery, all these great things. But then you get into the apps. Oh, wow, these apps, these apps themselves have settings so you can be even more efficient. I listen to audiobooks at two speed now, podcast episodes at two speed now, watch and stream Netflix at 1.5 speed now, YouTube videos at three speed, I think you can do that now. What a game changer. I can save so much time now. We live in this digital age where our appliances and our technologies create, machines create to help us be more efficient, to be more productive, so we can have a sense of control. And we think we have that because we, we're scheduled and we have these calendars and we have all these machines and we can have more time for ourselves. Yet with all of that, with all of that in mind, with all the stuff that we have to make our lives more efficient, why do we still feel so busy and tired all the time? Why does time always escape us? Why does it feel like we sometimes live under the tyranny of time? It's a tyrant at times, isn't it? What does time do? It creates feelings of boredom when time passes slowly. It can create anxiety and stress when the future is uncertain. It can make us feel regret and wishing we had chosen a different path in the past. How can we find peace when time seems to have so much power over us? I wish today I could give you the answers to time travel. I really wish I could, but I can't. We're finite human beings bound by time. Instead, I want to share with you about a God who isn't bound by time, who is eternal and infinite. And when we get to know this God, we can approach time in our lives with a sense of peace, reshaping how we view our time and ultimately the years we have in this life. 
I want to go to the Bible, and I'll start off with a few verses. I've got them on the screen. The first one is Psalm 90, verse 1 to 4. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the, world, the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are our God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Go to another verse, the next one, next slide. It says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. There it is again. And a thousand years are like a day. And in Revelation, what we read before, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We read these Bible passages and we discover that God's existence is eternal. He is not limited by time. He determines its beginning and its end. He's both outside the bounds of time, yet everywhere in time. He's, early on in the series, I, talk, I talked about how God's, uh, he's got these incommunicable attributes, right? Uh, we mentioned omniscience, that he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent, that he's everywhere all at once. When we think about that last one, when he's everywhere all at once, and we think about his eternality, like he's eternal. That idea is that he's everywhere all at once, but he's also every when all at once. He's, every, he's in every time, every, every moment of time. If we think about existence itself, existence is time boundaries, that things exist from beginning, you know, there's a beginning and an end to it. Everything has a be, every creature has a beginning and an end. Time itself from our human perspective is created by a self-existent, uncreated God. The fact that we measure units by time, years and days and hours and minutes, the idea that in itself was a way for us human beings really to, to measure time, like the earth revolving around the sun. God doesn't exist in that, in that sort of space. He, he, he doesn't exist in time the way we do, the way we think about it in our short lives, where we experience moment by moment as if time was linear, past, present and future. One moment ends before the next begins. God himself is the creator of it, and time itself exists in him. Uh, there's, a, there's an author that many of you know, C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Narnia Chronicles. In his book, the, In Mere Christianity, he says this about time. It's, I've got this on this quote on the screen. It's coming up. It says, If you picture time as a straight li line along which we have to travel, then you must picture God as the whole page on which the line is drawn. We come to the parts of the line one by one. We have to leave A before we get to B, and we cannot reach C until we leave B behind. God from above or outside or all around contains the whole line and sees it all. He's the page that the line is drawn, right? So he's outside of time, not bound by it. Yet we also know from the Bible that he's also within time. Uh, with, he enters into time at his discretion. And so we read the Bible and we read the story of the Bible, the eternal God who he, he enters into our history uh, to save humanity from our sin. Like we hear that in the Bible story. It's something that's so, un it, it, this is very hard, right, to get our heads around because it's so unlike anything in creation. For the rest of creation, there's a beginning and then a life cycle, birth and death, but that's not the case with God. I've got another great quote, I think. Uh, Jen Wilkins, she says this in her book, uh, he is sim simultaneously the God of the past, present, and future, bending time to his perfect will, unfettered by its constraints. The past holds for him no missed opportunity. The present holds for him no anxiety. The future holds for him no uncertainty. I love that. Isn't that interesting? All the times 
we might feel, right? The time impacts our feelings. We feel regrets when we think about decisions we've made in the past. In the present, we try to squeeze as much as we can, trying to achieve and accomplish as much as we can, always feeling busy and tired. And when we think about the future, anxiety, uncertainty reigns over our thoughts and our feelings. God doesn't feel those emotions when it comes to time. He himself, is, he's never early, he's never late, never in a hurry, never missing a deadline, never worried, taken by surprise about what's to come. He wields time in itself in his hands. He's always on time. This is the God who is eternal, unbound. Now let's consider ourselves as humans. We're bound by time, aren't we? Bound by time. We're creatures within this created world and everything that we observe is in life cycles, beginning and end. Things um, start off new and shiny and then lead to rot, rot and decay. For humanity, it's, it's the cradle to the grave, birth and death. But let's think about the, the time we live in as well, this era. You know, if we, if we get to live long enough, we might inhabit a space of, what, 70, 80, 90 years, and this time that we live in is all shaped by events that, that span across this time. Our, our knowledge is, is based on, of the past is based on what textbooks, it's based on archaeology, ancient writings, artworks, discoveries, theories of what life could have been like. This is how we see the past. But we live in this timeline, right, this era. And we look at this era, and wow, it's an exciting time to be alive, isn't it? You know, we, we, have, we have modern technology, smartphones with 5G now, where there's constantly change and reform, there's progress in our world, there's equality and rights. There's also the deep divide of left and right politics, culture wars happening too, but a time where you can be famous on social media, that's great. A time where, where piercings and long hair, oh man, is acceptable, let's, let's be honest about that, that's, that's a good thing. Where tattoos, right, tattoos don't mean that you're part of the gang, it's okay to get tattoos. And a time where K-pop music, wow, people appreciate that across the world. That's the era that we're living in. What an exciting time to be alive. Yeah, with all this progress, all this progress, why have we not yet achieved a sense of freedom or peace? Oh, we all feel so enslaved to, to the things in our lives, don't we still? We still feel this sense of, uh, this, that, that we need to find liberate, like we need to be liberated, like especially when it comes to, these, to technology, to the things that do rule over us. We have these, these devices that make life more easy and more efficient, but we're so enslaved to them. And you see, we're living in this era where everything is meant to be more efficient. But what has happened is that our expectations of our time has also evolved, hasn't it? We're not more free, we're more burdened. And instead of more freedom to invest in ourselves or in others or to pray, to rest, to read a book, to daydream, we've simply increased our expectation of how much more we should get done. Don't you feel that? We might not be doing more hours at work, but life in general has more demands. With technology, we have fostered that, this belief that we can and should be doing something every moment of every day, every waking moment that we're we, we become more ambitious hoping to achieve and accomplish at a rate our finite, limited bodies can't handle. We say things like time is money. And the expectation then is of increased production. And the human experience is what we... It's interesting, isn't it? While we, have, we try to make machines to be more like humans, to do jobs for us. But now we often expect humans to be like machines. But we aren't. And I don't know about you, but there's this relationship with my phone that I, lo I have a love and hate relationship with it. These, these glowing screens, right, that greet us in the morning and then put us to bed at night. 
We wake up reading um, breaking news or some tragedy that's happened across the world, disrupting your quiet morning of meditation. Or you go to bed and you receive this unsettling email or text message that robs you of rest, replacing with anxiety and stress. And you see these devices, they deliver demands at all hours of the day. They're cultivating that feeling that we just have no time. When we're all on alert all the time, we never really rest, do we? We're never fully present to what's right in front of us, whether it's a, a book that we're reading or a child. It's interesting, I talk to a lot of our, our Gen Z members in our church and it really makes me sad because they don't watch movies. They find it too hard to focus for that long. That makes me really sad. I love movies and I want to share my joy of movies with you. Why is that? What, what has happened? Why are these devi- what are these devices doing to us? Because the truth is, time hasn't changed, has it? Once upon a time, the sun coming up and then going down and the moon coming out at night, it determined how we lived our days. Light is when we work and night is when you sleep, right? Time itself hasn't changed. There's still you know, 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week across every generation. That's what they've had. Yet we now believe and feel much busier and more exhausted than people in the past because we've changed our expectations of time. We try to do more than we ever used to, not just in our work, but all other areas of life. Let's come back to this truth. We're time-bound creatures. Yet in our era, the time we're living in, we've been led to believe that with our technology, our efficiency, with these time-saving devices, that we can somehow control time while running our bodies into the ground. Why we always feel busy, stressed, anxious, wishing for more time. Is this it? Is this what our time on earth is going to look like? Because that sounds miserable. But if we can pause and breathe for a moment and consider that life is more than just being busy and anxious, maybe we can start looking at life and our time here from a perspective that God wants us to. I want to get to that Ecclesiastes passage that we read earlier. I've got it on the screen, just a few verses. I want to read this because no matter what era we live in, we all share the same human experiences. Whether we lived now or we lived in the 1800s, this, there's a truth that is, is true for every generation. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plan, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. I'm just going to read those first four verses. It goes on, doesn't it? This chapter here in Ecclesiastes is written thousands of years before our time. It shares with us how we as a humanity will experience a range of seasons in our life. Some short seasons, some are longer seasons. There may be seasons where we enjoy new life, other seasons where we grieve the loss of a loved one and death. Seasons where we'll build, build our lives, families, homes. Other times we'll be enjoying seasons of whatever, exploration, laughter, dance. <laughs> Yet while this expresses the range of human experiences in a lifetime, the reality is we have no control over them. They'll come at us at times unexpected, at times expected and unexpected. Sometimes we get impatient. We want to fast forward. We wish we had a remote control that we could click, which we could rewind, which we could prolong, but we can't. We try to make sense of it, but we can't comprehend it. The times come and the times go. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We're mortal, finite beings in the mercy of time. But in all of that, the writer of Ecclesiastes wants us to trust that this timing is as God has planned for us. It's within his providence. And so in chapter 3, verse 11, at the very end of that reading, it says this. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. 
He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We don't know what God is doing in this season of life. Whether it's going well or going bad. We wish we could slow it down. We wish we could fast forward. But God operates at a different timeline to us. We might look around and we think right now, this season of sorrow, this season of anxiety, this season of busyness, how is this beautiful? It feels ugly. God, the eternal God, though, he operates outside of that. And he will make all things beautiful. It might not be even in our lifetime. There might be results and impacts made from our actions that don't come to fruition until the next generation. We might go to the grave and we might not still have received the justice we felt due to us. We can hope for forgiveness, but it might not be in our timing. We can desire understanding solutions to problems, answers to questions that have haunted us all our lives, but we might die without ever receiving them. It might take more time than our lifetime for God to make what is ugly beautiful. But Ecclesiastes 3, 1-11, it reminds us that we are human. God is God. He is eternal. We are not. And we can trust that God will make all things beautiful in his time. How do we make sense of that? How do we trust that? Well, we can trust that because we've seen God already fulfill his plans perfectly, right on time, with his son Jesus. When Jesus entered the world, it was right on time. I've got a couple of passages on the screen for us to read. Romans chapter 5 is the first one. It says, uh, verse 6, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time, right? Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Jesus came at the right time in God's timing. He, he's, he's faithful to his people, that he will rescue us, that he has saved us. And so when we look at time and we think about God and his plans, we don't always need to be hurried. We don't always have to be anxious in life. We have a God who is timeless. He's eternal. In his good and perfect timing, he sent his son Jesus to die for us, to rescue us from the, from the sin, the discontentment, the discomfort our hearts are enslaved to. And what happens in his death and resurrection is that we can now know and be in relationship with this God, the God that, that Ecclesiastes talks about. Because we have a relationship with God, we can have peace. In Jesus, we have peace. We've got that reconnection with God. No, nothing else that we keep filling our time with, keeping ourselves busy with, will give us what our insatiable hearts are looking for. But Jesus, the Prince of Peace, offers us a real deep and eternal peace. And God did that in his perfect timing. Do we trust that? When Ecclesiastes says God has made everything beautiful in his time, do we trust that? It means that while there are seasons of life, times when we might feel busy, overwhelmed, stressed, depressed, anxious, miserable, just purposeless and lost, where we regret the past or are anxious about the future, those times can't define our present because we can trust God has a plan. He'll make all things beautiful. And whether or not we will live to see the day, the, we still have the eternal life that we've received in Jesus. That, that eternal life, which will be a time, a forever time, where everything will be beautiful. With all that in mind, there's a few things I want us to put into practice. As we live out the Christian life, the faith, in this hurried and anxious, busy world, they all happen to start with P, so that's really good. So the first P that I've got is patience. We need to consider this. When I feel rushed, remember God is in no hurry. When I feel impatient, remember God is at work. He's in control. If we desire to live out the gospel of Jesus in this life, look at his life. Jesus, he was never in a hurry. 
He was always willing to give people his time, allowed interruptions into his schedule, patiently loved the people in front of him. There's a really uh, famous Bible verse that is used at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Imagine if we were people of patience in a world of impatience. Think about the witness we'd be. Imagine even if you were ridiculed for your faith, your face, you faced hostility and rejection, but you still remained patient because you were marked by that same love that Jesus has patiently given to you and to me. Imagine the impact that would have on the people around us, but even on our own hearts and lives, and patience shapes our attitudes and decisions. Maybe we need to ask ourselves, why is patience so hard for us? Why do we feel the need to fill the gaps with more stuff, and why are we always feeling hurried are the things we consume our time with really just a, a cover-up an escapism numbing the pain because we're scared to slow down because we're scared to address our hearts it's scary because we might discover we're living for something that might not really be fulfilling after all we might have to reevaluate our decisions we might have to assess our metrics of what success looks like in life what we're living for and for some of us in the room, me included, sometimes what we do is we use productivity, how productive we are as our chief measure of value. The more productive I am in life, the more value I believe I have. Maybe we need to slow down. What if that's, what, what if that's why we're so hurried in life? What if that's why we're so impatient all the time? Let's cultivate that patience. Let's slow down in life and let's see how that would shape us. And see, us, see how that would make us more like Jesus in the way that he loves, operating at his pace. Because when we practice patience, we practice love. The second P is presence. They're all going to flow on from each other. Presence. How often are we present? Fully engaged in the now. Fully engaged with God in your devotional time or with others when you're with them. It's hard, isn't it? It, it, it doesn't fit our world of hurry and its demands to do more, better, constantly. We feel anxious and tension and stress and worry. They're all these forms of fear, aren't they? And it's because we're thinking so much about the future and not enough about the present. We feel guilt and regret and resentment and sadness and bitterness because we're thinking so much about the past and not about the present. Now, I'm saying you can't, you can think about the past, you can miss the past, you can relive old memories, all that stuff. Of course you can do that stuff. But sometimes we have this nostalgia, right, that, that, that we dwell on a little bit too much that you wish you lived today like it was the past, where we idolize it in a sense, not letting go of it, not, not living in the present, enjoying the gifts of today. Always caught up thinking you wish you could go back in time and make different choices. Similarly with the future, of course, make plans, of course, schedule and, and be organized, you do all those things. But when anxiety shapes our present because we're consumed by the future and what might happen, what could happen, as if it's happened, when we don't even know or have control of the future, it's really quite unhealthy, isn't it? We need to let the future stay in the future. Jesus has this passage in Matthew 6, and this is a huge rebuke to me as well. At Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he's talking about worry and trusting God. I've got this on the screen, I think. Yep. Uh, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wow, man, how many of us here are just always worried about tomorrow? It says here, seek first his kingdom. Really, you, you could add seek first his kingdom today. This is what matters. 
Why leave tomorrow to tomorrow? Yes, plan. Let, yes, organize. Be, be a responsible human being. But are you going to be caught up with anxiety as well as we think about tomorrow? Are we going to trust God? I need to hear this as much as the next person. Prepare well. Study hard for that exam. Prepare for that job interview. But as we prepare, let's entrust it to God. But let's think about present. Okay, So if we are going to live in the presence, what will that look like? There's a couple of things I think are extremes and I think we need to be aware of sometimes when we think about living in the presence. I think laziness is a response. Laziness is a response to time that doesn't treat it as, a precious, as precious and God-given. The Bible talks about, I think in Psalm 90 that we read earlier, our days are numbered. Every day is a gift. We must live with that, with that in mind, with that, treating every moment with gratitude. On the other end, busyness isn't the answer either. Uh, while your capacity and my capacity, we might differ, Everyone has different levels of business, what they feel busy to look like. We need to also consider, are we busy in the sense that we live as if time, the time God has given us is not adequate enough? Are we giving up rest and sleep? Is our health and our bodies that God has given us being run into the ground because we aren't making enough time to care for them? Are we not making time for people in a way that we're truly present for them? And the buzzword in the last few years has been a non-anxious presence. And we're not always looking at our phone every time it buzzes where we can leave our phone in our pocket or our handbag when we're having a meal with someone or having a coffee so we can give them our attention and be present. Can we be present and live today instead of always being busy? The two extremes, laziness or busyness, well, how will you live today? I often talk to some people in, uh, in their 20s and 30s and they tell me that this period of their life, they're working really hard, they're, working, they're so busy, they're trying really hard to build up their wealth so that they can retire early. And they tell me, and they say the goal is, it's not about money, it's about people. You know, I want, you know, I want to generate enough wealth so that I can retire and spend more time with people. And I, I get that, and their intentions are noble. But do you even know if you'll have it tomorrow? You know, we, I, talk, you know, I, I watch interviews with all the people and I talk to all the people, and you often hear them saying, you know, looking back, I wish I wasn't so busy. Instead, I wish I spent more time with people that I loved instead of working so much. There is no salvation in time, friends. We can't think we'll be more free in the future. It's actually presence is the key to freedom. Which leads me to prayer, our third P. As we think about the limited time we, we have as time-bound creatures, would we consider what we do today will impact into eternity? I say prayer because how much time are we investing in God? Prayer, reading the Bible, serving Him with our time. Like, like any relationship, are we giving Him time? knowing that by grace and mercy he saved us to eternal life with him. What does a relationship today with God look like? Again, I got really rebuked when I came across this quote by the pastor, uh, John Piper in the US. He says this, uh, I've got the quote on the screen, I think. It says, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Wow, what a rebuke. Replace Twitter and Facebook with what? YouTube and Instagram or TikTok. It's really interesting, isn't it? How much do we spend our time on social media or whatever it is that we're consuming instead of in prayer? Not that you have to pray all the, you know, pray without ceasing, yes, all that stuff, but, you know, enjoy social media. I'm not telling you not to, but sometimes it's sometimes extreme, isn't it? Like, you know, the surveys are saying, you know, Gen Z spend over four hours a day on social media. 38% of Gen Z spend over four days. That's still a lot of hours of your life, isn't it? How many hours are we spending in prayer with God? I think that quote by John Piper hit really hard, and it hits hard when we put that into perspective. 
My fourth P, and I'll finish soon, is people. Uh, I mentioned this already, but think about this. The Bible talks about things like from dust we come to dust we return. Numbering our days. You can, uh, we're finite. Our days are limited. So what can we do in this life with our time that, have, that has eternal significance? Yes, whatever work you're in, whatever career you're doing, do that well, work hard. But all these things will come to an end one day, won't it? When we think about being present, when we think about being patient, when we think about prayerfully living for God, are we prioritizing people as well? Prioritizing people instead of personal gain. Because who knows, maybe that act of hospitality, caring for the vulnerable, speaking words of truth, sharing the gospel, loving patiently the person in front of you, maybe it might just lead to another person receiving eternal life with the eternal God forever. Are we prioritizing people in a way knowing that there's going to be an eternal significance? The only way we can live out these P's in our lives is... is with the peace and security living under the eternal and gracious God. You see, Stephen Hawking was asked about time travel and he gave this technical answer, right, about negative mass that doesn't exist in our universe. And while that might be scientifically true, he could have just said, we're finite, we're human, limited, we're time-bound. God is eternal. If only he believed in God. But when we start living knowing that truth, we can live, we can live in the rhythms of life God has given to us, unhurried, at peace with the time we've been given and walking with Jesus at a, at a, at a spirit-led pace that looks forward to the eternal life that God has secured for us in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to remember. Help us to remember how great you are as our eternal God, that you have all of time in your hands, that we can trust every, every season knowing everything will be made beautiful in its time because you are the creator and you are the sustainer of our lives. May we not dwell unhealthily on the past or be anxious and always overwhelmed about the future, but help us to be present. Help us to live today fully and faithfully, receiving each day as a gift from you. We pray for this in your Son's name. Amen.